0: Good morning. Good word, Angie. You notice, it was interesting, I noticed too that we lost people. And we lost them when the crushing started. See, we want to stick around for the grapes, but we don't want to hang around for the crushing. <laughs> and we sing, Lord, make me new wine." out of old grapes. I want you to make new wine out of what I got. He says, "That's, that's not how it works. I want to crush the new grapes to make new wine to refresh you with. All right, turn to Galatians 5. We're going to get there in a little bit. First of all, Where's my temple? I have lost my spirit. She's in the nursery. <laughs> Come on, guys. I'm not gonna leave I'm not gonna keep you long. I'm just gonna use you to refresh today. You know where you're supposed to be. There you go. All right. This has been a great illustration, been very helpful to me, and I hope it has been to you. We're just going to touch on a couple of things. I've got a lot to share, but time won't permit all of it. Uh, So as soon as my spirit gets here, we'll start. Here she comes. Come on. Welcome, Holy Spirit. You are welcome in this place. (laughs) All right, good job. Okay, we use this to talk about the, the picture of the tabernacle, being the outer court, the holy place, and the holy of holies. That was the symbol. That was the type. The reality of it is body, soul, and spirit. Now then, I am the temple of God. I am an expression of God's presence. The outer cord is my body. It's where I live. It's just the house that I live in. It's not who I am. It is the expression outwardly of what's here in my soul. This is me. This is my mind, my emotion, and my will. This is where my personality comes from. This is where the Spirit of God dwells. Every one of us has the capacity for God to live in us. Not everyone has the Spirit of God living in us. To as many as received Jesus, to them he gave the right to become sons of God. And the Spirit of God takes up habitation inside of us. So we are a soul with a spirit living in a house. All right? Now, we talked about last week the purpose of our exercise. And I want you to refresh your memory on those. Do you remember what the purpose is? of this exercise was there were four things. Okay, when you get those, we'll come back next week and we'll let me see if I can refresh your memory. The first one was to find the presence of God. Where does God live? God lives, for a believer, God lives here. He lives here. We look for him here. We want to feel him here. But the truth of the matter is, he lives here. This is where he abides. He said, in my Father's house are many abodes. Here's one. Here's one. Here's one. Here's one. Here's one places that he lives, and they make up the larger body of Christ or the temple of God. But each one of us is a temple of God because the Spirit of God lives here. First one was, where does God live? How to find him? What's the second one? To value God's presence. How important is this to us? How important is this spirit to us do we guard it do we care for it do we nurture it do we eat on it do we drink from it is our emphasis out here how we look how people see us is our emphasis here how we feel about life our own understanding and our imaginations and our our brain or is it about the spirit of god that lives in our side of us what was the third purpose so To find the Spirit of God, to value the Spirit of God, what was the third one? Learn to go where he's at. Learn to go... And I want you, as we look at this exercise, I want you to picture it as a journey, okay? We are going somewhere. We are going past the courtyard. We're going past the holy place, and we want to know how to get here where the Spirit of God dwells. And that's as real and as relevant as the priest who did the sacrifice in the holy place, bought the alms, did, made his, did all of those things, it's as real as the priest who came into the holy place, and it's as real as the priest who came into the holy of holies. All right? So we value it. How do we get there? Now, here's the other thing I want you to see about that. What did he bring with him when he went in there? Could he come and say, uh, uh, I'm going to take my guitar because I need my guitar to be in the presence of God. I'm going to take my particular place. I have to have this place whenever God dwells here. There was only one thing that the priest had when he went into the Holy of Holies. Anybody remember what it was? The blood of the Lamb. Period. That's what qualified him to get there. The lamb was slaughtered. He took the blood into the Holy of Holies and smeared it, through it all over the Ark of the Covenant. That's what qualified him to be there. We, if we try to come here with anything else, the only thing that qualified. if he did not come bearing the blood of the lamb, he couldn't come. He couldn't just come in here and, you know, look around. I think I'll go in there today and see what's in that place. He couldn't come. The only way he could come is if he came bearing the blood of the lamb. That qualified him to come in and to be there in his presence. All right, what was the fourth thing? Learn how to live my life in the awareness of his presence. Here's the journey. Watch. Watch. My journey in this this relationship with him is to come through my body, through my soul, into his presence, allow him to change me here, allow him to reveal the sun here, allow him to reveal his glory here, and then to come back out and bear that into the world that God has placed me in. That's the process. It's a cycle. I don't have the life of God out here. I have animal life out here. I don't have the life of God here. I have soul life here. The only place I have the life of God is here. And I must go here to allow God to do his work in me, through me and my soul, expressed through my body to the world of what God is like, what his glory is like. Okay? So that's the purpose of the exercise find the presence of God to value the presence of God to find out how to get to the presence of God and how to bear that glory in all of my life okay thank you guys all right now we're going to touch on some more about this now do you remember the four words that i ask you to become familiar with i'm testing you today see if you've been paying attention here you remember the four words that i said become familiar with these four words. Determined, deliberate, intentional, and persistent. Okay, so, what posture do I take in my journey through my body, through my soul, to the presence of God? Determined, I'm going. Deliberate, making a conscious choice. Intentional, I intend to get there, persistent. If I don't hit it the first time, I'm going to come in it another time, and I'm going to come back again, and I'm going to come back again. And I hear all the time people say, well, I tried to find the presence of God. And, and, well, I didn't, so I quit. We don't say that, but that's what's inferred. Well, I tried that. I tried to go into the whole, I tri- and I just, so I just quit. So you're satisfied with what you got? You're satisfied with where you're living and what you have? There's another word I want you to understand, and that word is the word incidental. Okay? Incidental. Let me give you Webster's definition of incidental. Being likely to ensue as a chance or a minor consequence, occurring merely by chance or without intention or calculation. Four words, deliberate, decisive, intentional, uh, uh, persistent, and the word, incidental. Because for so many of us, our relationship, our fellowship with the Father is an incidental. It's a chance. It's not a deliberate. It's not something that I deliberately set my heart to do. I am going to find the presence of God. I am going to go there. I'm going to live there. I'm going to dwell there. I'm going to be in his presence. And it is a deliberate choice. It's a deliberate decision. It's not something that just happens on the way. Now, I understand there are all kinds of expressions of fellowship, now, if you want to bear, I want to try to, one of the ways to look at this is first the natural, then the spiritual. The natural is a picture of the spiritual. A natural reveals to us, in many cases, how the spiritual works. So, my wife and I, we have a lot of incidental fellowship. Really? You ought to see us in the morning in our kitchen when we're both half asleep. We're incidental and all over the place. We get in a car. We drive somewhere. We're going somewhere. Well, what are you deliberately doing? I am deliberately going somewhere. She's with me. And incidentally, we're having fellowship. We're talking. We're sharing. It took us a long time to get here because I didn't want to talk and she didn't want to be quiet. That's just the truth. And we're learning to find a balance. We're learning to fellowship. We're learning to share with one another. We're learning to come into oneness with one another. And we do it incidentally an awfully lot. Anywhere we go, she has become my best friend because of the oneness that God has established between us. And we've learned that we can have incidental fellowship with one another. And that's good, and that's wonderful, but that's a level up here. Okay? There's another level of fellowship. It's an exclusive level of fellowship. It's where the time and activity is exclusive to she and I. No one else is invited. I can't bring my iPad. Can't bring my phone. Can't do it while I'm exercising in the gym. Can't do it while I'm driving down the car. And I know I'm painting pictures in your mind that's just freaking you out and making you gross, but it's okay. There is a level of intimacy, there is a level of fellowship that can only be experienced when there's no one there but her and me and it is deliberate, it is intentional, it is persistent. It's a whole new level. When the priest walked into the holy place, the holy of holies, he was deliberate, he was intentional, he was going somewhere. But he was not going with anything but the blood of the Lamb. That's all he had to take. Now, you have to decide at what level of fellowship do you want to experience with your spouse. How far do you want to go? What do you want it to be? Do you want to experience the deepest level of fellowship and intimacy that is possible? Or do you want it to just be incidental? What about your fellowship with the Father? What do you want it to be? Will he show up while I'm driving? Sure he will. It's an incidental affair. Because the deliberation is in driving the car where you're going. It's not in fellowshipping with him. I'm talking about a fellowship with him. I'm talking about a condition with him. I'm talking about an intimacy with him that it would be impossible to drive. You're not even aware of your room. You're not even aware of yourself. You're not aware of anything but the awesomeness, the wonder, the glory that's before you in the Father. And you can't even move. You can't even think because a word in that environment becomes a shout that interrupts everything. Because there's such an intimacy, there's such a fellowship taking place there, but it is deliberate. It's not incidental. It happens because I choose to do it. And it happens because when I don't get it right the first time, there's going to be another time. It happens when I don't get what I expected, I got what he wanted. And I'm appreciative for that. And I'm going back for that. So don't allow your fellowship with the Father just to exist around incidental experiences. It happened by chance. Yes, he will show up in any activity and in any environment. And if that's all you want, he'll let you settle for that. But if you want more, you want to be deliberate in your relationship and your search for him and in your finding for him, there's another way to do it, and there's more to be had. Now, I talked about the overview and gave you some homework last week. There were three things in the overview. First one was still my body. How'd your stillness go this week? Did you, get the, did you give it a shot? How'd that work out? Were you drawn out? Were you tempted to be drawn out? Were you tempted to give in to your Sure, you are. We all are. But we're deliberate in our, in our attempt to still our body. And then we talked about quiet our soul and receive in my spirit. The stillness, Psalms 46.10, be still and know that I am God. Psalms 4.4, tremble and do not sin. Meditate in your heart upon your bed and be still. Some people will ask, why is it important to be still? Here's why it's important. It's going to be very difficult to quieten your soul if I'm giving in to the demands of my body. Say that again it's going to be very difficult to quieten my soul when i'm giving in to the demands of my body it's important to find that stillness that quietness that place that's free from distractions as possible get comfortable and the objective is to be able to do that anywhere anytime any place talked about the dental chair talked about the doctor's office talked about walmart Eventually, as we learn to do that, we'll be able to do that to still ourselves. The desires of the flesh will draw me from his presence, but only if I let it. There is nothing in my body that says I have to serve it. It's a choice. It's a decision. Learn to say no, and seconds will become minutes, and minutes will become hours, and hours will result in constantly. Okay? Talking about the stillness. Now, let's talk about quieting the soul. I want to remind you, as we talk about this, of the battle that takes place inside our body. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 through 17. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. We've got that backwards. We have a tendency, and, and uh, Angie pointed this out this morning, we have a tendency, we know we got a problem with our flesh, we know we got an issue with our flesh, we know we got something we can't overcome, and so we fixate on it. We focus on it, thinking, if I... Think about it long enough. Stew over it long enough. Feel bad enough over it long enough. Focus on it long enough. It'll leave. But all that does is invite it to stay. The answer to dealing with the lust of the flesh is not focusing on the lust of the flesh. It's learning to walk in the spirit. That completely counteracts the drive of the flesh. But as long as we're focusing on it... That's what we're going to begin to duplicate, and that's what he's saying here. I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. Here was Caleb. Here's the flesh. Here's Olivia. Here's the Spirit. They they have set their desires against one another, and caught in the middle is me. Caught in the middle is the soul. Because what the flesh is vying for, what the flesh is battling for, is allegiance from me. The Spirit is vying for allegiance from me. Now, I am owned by the Spirit. But I make a choice of who I'm going to serve. I can serve the desires of the flesh, or I can serve this. I can serve the promptings of the spirit. But this warring that's going on is not something that's taking place in me. It's taking place f- over me. The flesh and the spirit set their desire against one another, for these are in opposition to one another. So that you may not do the thing that you please well in this in the context of what we're talking about here and have been talking about what is the context of not being able to do what you want to do? what is it you want to do in the context of what we're talking about? find God, enter into his presence. I want to find where he's at. I want to be in his presence. I want to dwell there and hear the spit this the flesh is trying to draw me from that. Here the Spirit is trying to draw me to that. And there's a conflict going on. And they are setting themselves against themselves, and I'm not being able to do the thing I want to do, and that is walk by the Spirit. I want to walk by the Spirit. I want to be obedient and fellowship with the Lord. The goal of the conflict is to capture the allegiance of the soul. By diminishing the influence of the Spirit. What is the flesh trying to do? It's trying to diminish the influence in my life of the Spirit of God. Make it insignificant. Make it unimportant. Make it incidental. That's the goal of the flesh, the the, the lust of the flesh. Now listen, the body of itself is not evil. I don't want you to go away thinking that. But there are strong desires that reside there from being controlled by the sin nature that used to live in me. It has been crucified. I don't have to sin. I would would you say that with me? I don't have to sin. Say it again. I don't have to sin. Feel like a hypocrite saying that? Huh? I thought I had to sin. I thought I just couldn't do nothing but sin. I don't have to sin. I don't have to sin. Why you sin? Because I choose to sin. I choose to do it. Nothing forces me to do it. The body itself is not evil, but there are desires that reside there that are contrary to the Spirit of God that used to rule my life. And it looks something like this. I want when I I want what I want when I want it the way I want it. That's it. That's real simple. What's it look like? I want what I want. What's it look like? I want what I want when I want it, the way I want it, how I want it. Now. And then we apply that to God. God, I want you to fit in my plan. I want you to fulfill my dreams. I want you to fulfill my vision. I want you to fulfill my schedule. I want you to fulfill my goals. Instead of the humble posture that says, there is no goal, there is no dream, there is no vision, there is no schedule, better than yours. What is yours for me, and how do you want me to walk in? Now, the soul has many expressions. The soul can be dismayed, and all of these are out of, just out of Psalms. I can be vexed. My soul can be alarmed. It can be anxious. It can be sorrowful. My soul can be joyful. My soul can be humble. My soul can be depressed. My soul can be in despair. My soul can be satisfied. That means it's filled to satisfaction. I've got everything I need and want, the soul can say, I have enough. The soul can refuse to be comforted. Some people just would rather be bummed out. Some people would rather just be anxious. Even when they're exposed to the reality of the truth, I think I'll pick anxious. Some people would rather worry. It's my calling in life to worry. That's how I show love as I worry. The soul can worry. The soul can be anxious. The soul can refuse to be consoled. The soul can be full of trouble. The soul can be delighted. It can find something to delight in. The soul can be heavy. But now listen. If I've ever met Christ, there are other expressions of the soul. One of those, soul, one of those expressions is, Is David said, my soul pants for God. That means just like a deer that's thirsty for water, I want God. I cry out. My soul can cry out for God. My soul can thirst for God. Have you ever thirsted for God? Have you ever just had that longing in your heart? I I don't want... I don't want ministry, I don't want possessions, I don't want to be happy. God, I want you. I want you and all of you that I can get. My soul can take refuge in God. For protection, for care, for comfort. My soul can seek God. You ever had a desire to seek God? I just I I I you know what? Today, I found out where God is. He's here. I'm going after God. I'm going to seek Him. I'm going to seek His presence. I'm going to seek to live there. I'm going to seek to value it because He has come to live in me. I'm going to seek Him. I'm going to follow hard after God. There are going to be times that pursuing God is not going to be easy, I don't care. I'm going after God. I'm going after Him. Now listen, we can fellowship anywhere, but if we will allow these to find expression, they will take us to a level that we can't find until we're still and alone And consumed by him. See, God put those desires in us. When we met him, as an expression of his work in us, he put those desires in us. Because he knew the person that lived out here in the flesh wouldn't seek him. So he put that desire in me. And now I long for him. I seek him. I run hard after him. If I have ever met him. If I've never met him, this is like a calf looking at a new gate. What? I thought it was all about witnessing. I thought it was all about just praying. I thought it was all about going to church. I thought it was all about going through the activity. If you've ever met God, and God has been quickened in your spirit, he has placed in your soul the desire to seek him, to press hard for him, to know him, to be intimate with him. My soul can bless the Lord. The word bless means to kneel. By implication, to bless God as an act of adoration. My soul can praise the Lord, to boast, and thus to be foolish in celebration. My soul longs for God. My soul can be bold with strength from God. What determines which I choose? What determines which? which will be relevant in my life, my choice. What am I going to choose? See, this soul right here, this is where the will lives. And the will is the closest thing. A will is the closest thing to natural man. It's the closest thing in natural man That looks like deity. The will is the closest thing to deity, the ability to choose. It's the closest thing to God that resides in natural man. He has given me the opportunity to choose life or choose death. I choose. I pick. I decide which one I want to be expressed in my life. You say, well, I would never choose death. No, but I would choose to hold on to thoughts and beliefs that will result in death. I will choose to hold on to thoughts and beliefs that will result in death. Thoughts have consequences. What I think has a consequence What I grab hold of that runs through my mind and choose to believe has a consequence. That consequence is either life or death. It is important to learn to quiet the soul to distinguish what's going to bring life and what's going to bring death. Psalms 62, 1. My soul waits in silence for god only from him is my salvation he only is my rock and my salvation my stronghold i will not be greatly shaken that word salvation means aid deliverance prosperity welfare my soul waits in silence for god it's been still psalms 131 O Lord, my heart is not proud, nor my eyes haughty, nor do I involve myself in great matters or in things too difficult for me. Surely I have composed and quieted my soul like a weaned child rest against his mother. My soul is like a weaned child within me. Now, why... What a child that no longer nurses. We can get that. A child that nurses, they're going to find comfort in their mother's lap, close to them. But he says, My soul is like a weaned child. What does a weaned child come for? Her presence. Her presence. I'm not looking for food. I'm not looking for anything. I just want to be with you. Abby was a great example of this. Abby was like she just she was her she knew one speed, wide open. I mean, from the time she you know they say you teach your kid to walk and talk early in the rest of the life you teach him to sit down and shut up. Well, she never did. She just always was moving, even whenever she was young. But every once in a while, she'd make a beeline to one of us. She'd crawl up in our lap for about 30 seconds. And I'm thinking, I'm going to get some loving. Nope. She just wanted me. Or she just wanted Joni. And then she's off again. She wasn't looking for food. She wasn't looking for something to eat. She wasn't looking for a toy. She just wanted to come into our presence because somehow that communicated to her, everything's okay. Okay. All is well. He said, My soul is like a weaned child. I just want to come and be in your presence. Isaiah 30, 15. For thus the Lord, for thus the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, has said, In repentance and rest, and that word rest is translated quiet. In repentance and rest you will be saved. In quietness and trust is your strength, but you were not willing. You were probably out trying to find strength on your own. You were probably out trying to solve your problems on your own. You were probably out trying to fix this circumstance on your own. You were probably out trying to change this person on your own. And he says, in repentance and rest you will be saved, and quietness and trust is your strength, but you were not willing. Voices from the flesh will either entice us to remain in our imagination and emotion, or to give place to the desires of the flesh, physical activity. Both serve to keep me from the presence of God. The desires of the flesh are going to pull me from the Spirit of God, I'm going to offer a route that's not going to lead me to the Spirit of God. Okay, It's going to offer suggestion. It's going to offer plans. It's going to offer ideas. It's going to offer all kinds of things. But the end thereof, there is a way which seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death. Its purpose is to draw me from the presence of God if I choose to buy into it and go that way. Both serve to keep me from God's presence. Listen, the voice of the flesh shouts. The voice of the flesh demands, the voice of the flesh insists This needs to be done right now. You're trying to find the presence of God. You're trying to be still in his presence. You're trying to quieten your soul. And the flesh says, you have got to change the filter in that air conditioner. Your air conditioner is going to burn up before you leave this room if you don't go do it right now. You have got to get up and do this. It's important that you do this. If you don't do this, nobody else is ever going to do it. And you have two minutes to do it. Go. Sound familiar? Where do you think that comes from? That's the flesh. Insisting, demanding, beckoning, calling, crying, screaming. Get out here and do this now. The voice of the Spirit is quiet, Gentle. Whispers. It draws me into God's presence. If my soul is screaming and I have given servitude to it for so long, it's going to be very difficult to hear the quiet, gentle drawing of the Spirit of God in my life. Because it's become so strong, it's become so demanding. Francis Fenelon you ever read anything by him? Him and Michael Molinas and Madame Guyon; those are three classic writers. Francis fenelon put it this way. He says, do not listen to your imagination, which is too lively and full of fanciness. This excessive activity dries up your inner life. How can you expect God to speak in that gentle and inward voice? That meets the soul when you are making so much noise with your rapid thoughts. Like a machine gun. (laughs) Quieting my soul is not done in order to get God to speak. You've got to get that around your heart. Quieting my soul is not done in order to get God to speak because we're going to learn to quiet our we're going to learn to still our body and we're going to learn to quiet our soul we're going to learn to be still because we're going into the presence of God as God is going to tell me things that are wonderful and glorious that nobody knows and I still my body and I quiet my soul and I don't hear a word and I get disappointed because my expectation was God was going to tell me something because of what I did Quieting my soul is not done in order to get God to speak. Quieting my soul is done in order that I might hear God when he does speak. Voice of the flesh shouts, demands obedience, demands attention right now, pulls me away from intimacy with the Father. Voice of the Spirit is quiet, gentle, draws me into his presence, encourages me to abide and trust. Fellowship with the Spirit means coming into oneness with him, aligning my purpose, everything in my life, to his perspective. Aligning my life and everything about my life to be aligned with his perspective and what he has for me. Now, here's your first, I don't want to call it a step, but here's your first help when you're doing this. All right? When you start trying to quiet your soul, when you get to that place, you're still in your body, you're quieting your soul, you're trying to listen, start with this. Start with gentle confessions. Okay? Start with gentle confessions. Remember the purpose? The purpose of this is to align My life with God's perspective. To align my life with God's Spirit. To align my life with His purpose. And that starts with a gentle confession. Now, we think of confession only has to do with sin. That's not what confess means. The word confess means to say the same thing. So as I start with gentle confessions, I begin to speak and confess everything that brings my soul into agreement with him, even though I don't feel like it. Let me give you an example. And I do this not as a mantra, but as a question, as a conversation. God's word, for instance, says, he, God's word says, he is here. Okay? Okay. God's word says He is here. Would you agree with that? What are you gonna say? Well, I don't feel like you're here. That's not agreeing with God. I don't see where you're at. That's not agreeing with God. Agreeing with God is agreeing with God. And when God says I am here, I say, God, You are here. I don't feel it. That make no sense. But you said it. Remember what I said early on. In order to walk by the Spirit, we're going to have to become very comfortable with living in the unseen. I don't see it. I don't feel it. I don't even think it. But I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to confess you are here. And I do that gently. Father, you are here. And then you might ask a question, what does that mean? Listen, what does that mean? You are here. God's word says he loves me. What am I going to say? You, you can't love me. I've messed up so many times. I've done so much bad stuff. I've blown it so many times. I've been angry. I've done this. I've done that. You can't love me. That's not agreeing with God. God says he loves me. In order to agree with him, confess, I say, Father, you love me. You love me just the way I am. And then ask him, what does that mean? See, one of the biggest mistakes we're going to have is this, especially when we're dealing with Scripture, is we're going to think we know what Scripture means. So we trivialize it. Listen, when God says, I love you, it means he will love me in experience, not just intellectually, if I will let him. So I choose to agree with him. God, you love me. What does that mean? God says, God's word says, he is good. God is good. What am I going to say? I don't know. You didn't give me that car I wanted. I know the kids are sick. We're down to our last check. And I know that even if I write that, there ain't no money to cover it. I don't know if you're that good or not. If God says he is good, I say, God, you are good. Ask him what that means. And then, thank him. Thank you for being here. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for being good to me. I'm not looking in this time to make my mind a void. Some people are going to listen to this and say, well, that's just Eastern meditation. No, Eastern meditation, the purpose of Eastern meditation is to make me self-aware. One of the things that is, Focus, I want you to I want you to really, really focus hard on your eyebrow. Just think about your eyebrow just up there. It sits over your eye. Just focus, concentrate on your eyebrow. I want you to be conscious of yourself. That's not what this is. This is learning to be conscious of God's presence by agreeing with him and what he says and thanking him for who he is. I'm learning to be conscious. God presence. As I'm doing this, I turn my attention to where he abides. This is important. As I'm doing this, I'm having this conversation. Now, if, if, if you were out in the hall, and I said, uh, I'm in here, and I said, hey, Craig, I want to talk with you. Craig, would go where I am. He would give me his attention. Because this is where I am. Whenever we talk to God, when we fellowship with him, we turn our attention where he is. Where is he? Where is he, Caleb? He's right there. He's right there. Turn my attention here. Because he's here. I don't go, I know you're up there somewhere. You know? And I, I, I just, I pray, I hope I've been good enough to get this prayer out of this room because it's got so far to go. I'm not sure it's going to make it. I know you're in China trying to straighten things out and you're trying to find a cure for this COVID, but, you know, I, I know if you just can fit me in. And then there's always the doubt that the enemy brings. Oh, he didn't hear you. He's busy. He's here. Turn my attention here, because that's where he's at. He's right here. He lives in me. Whenever Exodus three fourteen, when God, when Moses asked God, God called Moses to go, and he asked Moses asked, Moses asked God, "Who do I say sent me?" Remember what I said. Remember what God said. I am that I am. What? I am that I am. That statement meant a lot of things. But most importantly, I think it meant I am present. I am past present. I am present present. I am future present. I am. For us to learn that God is present, that he is the I am, that he lives here, starts with me praising him, starts with me confessing what he says about me, thanking him for what he says about me, praise him for who he is. Well, I don't feel like praising. I just don't feel like praising. Listen to this, and I'm going to close with this. A heart of praise, a heart of praise, comes by yielding to a voice of praise From my lips, a heart of praise will come from yielding to a voice of praise that comes from my lips. When I don't want to praise and Michael's praising God, that ain't doing me no good. I ain't getting that at all. How's it going to be relevant to me? I'm going to believe that God says he is worthy to be praised. And I'm going to praise him even though I don't feel like it. Asking him to turn my heart to where my heart praises, not just my lips. But he starts with my lips. Look, you're going to tell yourself something. You're going to gripe, or you're going to complain, or you're going to be critical, or you're going to be something. You're going to tell yourself something. Why not tell yourself praise? That's reality. He is worthy to be praised. As I begin to do that, he begins to turn my heart, so I have a heart of thanksgiving. And I'm not just giving thanks, although that's the start. That's the beginning of it. All right, I got a lot more. We're not going to finish it up right today. Any questions over stilling the body or quieting the soul? We've just gotten into the soul thing. Any questions? You see the war that goes on here? It's not a war in you. There's not a good dog and a bad dog in you. Okay? There's not an old man and a new man. There's not a new creation, an old creation. You are a brand new creation, and your will has been freed, and the enemy knows that. But if he can entice you to choose what he wants, he's winning. But it's not you. It's not you. You're a brand new creation in Christ. Any questions? Boy, you're getting this good.